So I want to talk a little bit about the idea of a logical religion. That's the subject of this podcast, a logical religion. That's what I think people are looking for. They're looking for a logical religion. They're lo- lo- they want to put their faith in something beyond humanity, which who can blame them? Right? But they don't want to give in to something that's not logical, that's, that doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm talking about. I know a, a man who's in his early 80s, and he grew up, uh, he went to Catholic school until Catholic school kicked him out. And uh, he did, he's an atheist. Uh, he does not believe in God. And it's obvious why. It's because he doesn't like the church. He sees the church as being hypocritical. This uh, gentleman, very intelligent guy, worldly, uh, a huge part of a nonprofit organization that for uh, well more than 50 years he would go into countries and he would help them develop infrastructure so that these poor people in rural areas and places like Peru and Bangladesh and um, India, and he would go in and in part of this organization and teach people how to survive, teach people how to live. To me, that there's nothing more Christian than teaching somebody how to survive the elements, teach them how to get water, help them, help them build schools so that their kids aren't illiterate. To me, that is the definition of service. Christ told us, love the Father and serve your fellow man. Those are the only two responsibilities you have. The only two responsibilities in your have that you have in your whole life. Keep your faith in God and, and, and serve people. Serve your brothers and sisters. So how is it that a guy who is who more than exhibits these very characteristics and at the same time he rejects the notion of deity or what he rejects the notion of is the church. The church and all of its trappings. All of its symbols. All of its traditions. And, of course, there would be nothing that would give me greater pleasure than to bring this gentleman a book and say, look, let me show you why your, your decision not to believe in God is an error. And it's not because the people that, that you were exposed to when you were young were incorrect. It's just that they had a lot of luggage with their religion. And, it, and you rightfully saw a lot of it as being hypocritical. And we all know that, you know, today's Christianity has been shown to be hypocritical over, over the decades. It doesn't mean it's a bad religion. It carries the tenets of the teachings of Christ. How could it be? You can't just throw out the baby with the bathwater. But, you know, this 80-plus-year-old man is just one example of someone who does all the right things, he lives a good life, he's a good person, and by definition, he is doing exactly what the teachings of great religions tell us to do, and yet he does it without the need for religion. There's a lesson to learn. So, 
in, in, in my circumstance, growing up as I did, exposed to a little bit of, of the Christian teaching, back in the, in the day, in the 70s, there was this thing called The Way, and it was sort of like a modern version of the Bible, and I remember getting a copy, I think it was just the New Testament, and it had kind of like flower, power type font on the, on the cover with hippies, but it was the Bible in modern phraseology. And so in, in my era, in my age, I was taught that Christ was your friend, that God, you don't have to love God, you can just like him like a buddy, and you could talk to him frank and honest like you would talk to your own father. And I like those concepts. Those concepts were good because that positioned my mind not to look at deity as some sort of all-powerful judge but rather as an all-inclusive fellow, somebody I could look to for, uh, what do they call that, an oasis for refuge, a place I could go where I could be safe. And it was that soil that prepared me later for the journey of religion, the journey of finding truth and trying to determine what it is that I, I needed to know. And I think a lot of people are like that in their life. Some people give up on the chase. Some people come to the conclusion that there is no truth, that this is just causational living. Everything just cause and effect. There was a big bang at one point, who knows why. And everything that happened after that was simply cause and effect. Atoms and uh, all kinds of small particles, electrons and protons just bumping into each other, colliding, amassing getting bigger, you know, it's logical to people to believe in the Big Bang because the Big Bang requires no slavish, traditional, uh, you know, figurehead uh, who, who represents, I mean, think about it, you know, in the old days when, in, in the days of astrology, People would look to the heavens and they would give the names to the constellations, which we still have today. These were, these were personages. To them, it was logical that there would be deities who would be in charge of all the stars up there. Somebody had to keep them from crashing into each other, right? So, interestingly, logic has a lot to do with the ability for people to believe in something. Because if it's intellectually dishonest... And you believe in something, even though intellectually you don't really think it's true, then you're being fake to yourself. You're being false to yourself at some point. Philosophically, God has to make sense. It has to make sense on some intellectual level. Otherwise, you're just compromising your own intellectual integrity. Now, I know in the Arantia book, it talks a lot about at some point you have to Here's a good illustration. Let's say, let's say you're swinging along in the jungle on vines. At some point, it's perfectly fine and you're able to do it throughout your life. But at some point, you're going to have to reach a little farther and those two vines are not going to come so close in your belief system. And you're going to have to let go of one of those vines to catch on to the other. And that And that's what I think faith is. Faith is believing in something even though you don't have all the facts. You can believe in God or you can believe in deity or you can believe in the afterlife without having all the facts. 
as long as you have enough evidence to corroborate your belief. That is an intellectual dishonesty. So, for example, I think there's enough evidence for me to conclusively show that intelligent design had something to do with the creation of this, what we call the living universe. That doesn't mean that I know for sure that God exists, but I'm comfortable knowing that whoever did this must have been pretty big, must have been an intellectual giant, must have... I'll give you a good example. Now, the Urantia book says that eventually there will be 70 trillion worlds of like ours. That, that eventually when, when this particular project is done and the supreme being comes into existence, once every possible experience is exhausted in the living universe, that, that God has seen it all, done it all, been it all, then at that point, existential becomes experiential and God sort of grows into a new stage, the supreme being. It's, it's, it's a hard concept if you're not familiar with it, but I hope that you get the idea. And the element of this is that, that, that we will, each of our worlds will grow to a stage of enlightenment extreme enlightenment. We're only very early in the stage. We, we just literally came out of the, the jungle, as it were. A few, a few hundred years of civilization does not make a progressive society. We're only in the beginning. So if there are 70 trillion worlds that eventually will have life, that I'm just throwing this out there, but that, that means you have to have at least 70 trillion sons, uh, solar parents, because that's where we get all of our life from. And if there's 70 trillion sons in the universe, and, and those 70 trillion sons are the handiwork of a deity, whatever that deity is, then that, the sons must be the physical representation of the unlimited power of this deity. And you could say that if, if, if God truly is all three things, matter, energy, and spirit, which represents, in my mind at least, conceptual trinity, because there's three aspects of reality, really. There's the physical world, there's the intellectual world where we live and we interact with, the, that is the definition of life. It's our interaction with the external world that constitutes us living and participating in this grand drama. And if there is the spiritual component, and that is what we're less familiar with because we're more in the physical than intellectual stage, then God must be an awesome power. If you, if, if you had the equivalent of the spiritual power, of the 70 trillion suns and the equivalent of the intellectual grandness, the fact that we are all intellectually connected, that that might be some representation of a circuitous energy form that actually interacts with the physical and interacts in the spiritual. Wow, that's an awesome... And that intellectually makes sense to me. You see? So logically, 
I said this before, you either believe the universe is on purpose or you don't. If you believe in causational uh, eventuation of life and there is no intelligent design, there is no spiritual force behind it, no intent, then ask yourself, why are there patterns? Why are there consistent patterns? Why do we see things reappear similarly? Why do we see a continuation, a progression? For example, if you pick up a knife and cut yourself, cut the end of your finger, in three or four days, if you don't cut it too big, your finger will heal. Well, what's the driving force? What are the mechanisms that are involved that make that, that injured skin kick into gear and start reproducing the right chemicals so as to replace the cells that were damaged by that cut. And I would argue that the same force that kicks into gear to repair that which is damaged is also the same force behind the 70 trillion suns and is also the same force behind all that we love in our life. And that love is actually a force that represents the personality of deity. Now, that's, that's my logical approach. And that's why the Urantia book is logical to me, because the Urantia book presents, by virtue of its explanation, a logical universe, a universe that is intelligently designed and intelligently uh, controlled. There is an, an element of uncertainty to all of it, but that's part of God's design. The, the deities decided that, that not everything could be planned out. You know, you hear a lot of debate going on with people about, you know, is there free will? Is everything predetermined? You know, what's the deal, right? Well, you ask yourself, you know, if we have free will, we can choose between going left and right. Uh, and at the same time, God's omnipresence knows which way we're going to choose. I don't think he knows. I just don't think he is surprised. I think in his divine wisdom, he can see which pattern is going to bring, bring you the most benefit. And he will try to, in his divine wisdom, get you to take the right path. And when you choose the Father's will, which is what's going to be the best for the most amount of people for the longest period of time, uh, and it's in the, in the spirit of serving somebody, you know pretty much that's, that's probably the good path. It's, it's just sort of like the, the guy who uh, gets off of work, it's the end of a long day, and he decides, should I go get a beer before I drive home, uh, or should I just go home? And he has a beer, and then he gets into an accident. There could be an argument made that maybe if he had decided to do the right thing and get home and be with his family, uh, instead of the, the kind of little bit of a selfish thing of getting a beer, then maybe the car accident wouldn't have occurred and all of the, the subsequent things that have to be dealt with. So it, it's, it's a minor illustration of, of, of predestination versus teaching you a lesson. You know, who are we to say <laughs> whether God knows for sure what we're going to do in any, in any given life circumstance? So the Arantia book lays out very cohesively, at least in my opinion, there are four parts to the book. Number one is the history 
of the beginnings of things, which is the universal center of all things, paradise, Havona. And it talks about the, the citizens of this place and, and why they came into existence and the relationship that God has with not only the universe as a whole, but with each individual component part. And then also it goes through the Son, second person of deity, and his relationship to the universe as a whole, his responsibilities, not only as a whole, but individually, with each member or component in the, in the universe. And then it goes to the Spirit, and it talks about the Spirit's responsibility and the Spirit's control over the universe as a whole, but also on an individual level. And also the characters and personalities and the beings who are, in fact, spiritual beings, just as we are physical beings. That's just part one of the book. Part two of the Arantia book talks about our local creation, Christ's creation, the universe of which we are native of. And it talks about all the personalities and all of the things that we're going to really see in our next career, in our next life, when we die, when there's a resurrection, when we get to that place. This book gives us the narrative of what to expect in a very comprehensive way. Third part of the book. So you see you're, you're starting with the center and then you're moving outward. And then the third part of the book takes us to our world. How life got here, the purpose of its creation, the kind of world that we inhabit. And then it goes through and talks about man's early history pretty much up to the 15th century, A.D. And it gives us all of the, the details of, of how we started out. And, and, and it violates and contradicts a lot of what anthropologists and archaeologists say only with regard to human development on every other aspect, geology, Pangea, continental drift, how the species came to be. All of that seems to be consistent with science. But when it gets into the area of humanity and the, and the unwritten record of humanity, the Urantia book goes into far greater detail as to where our customs come from, why we have religion, what religion is for. In part three, it also goes through the different stages of, of our lives so far, how we've developed over time. Wouldn't that be interesting to anybody? I would think. And then, of course, part four brings it all home with the life and teachings of Jesus, of Nazareth, Christ Michael, his bestowal here on earth as the Son of God and the Son of Man. It further enhances the, old, the uh, New Testament, and that is Part of the reason many believe the Arantia book was written in the first place, because they wanted to, you know, I guess the assumption could be made that Christianity has reached its apex, perhaps, and the writers of the Arantia book decided that, you know what, maybe this is our opportunity to tell the story anew for a new generation, giving an account, really, of his life and his death and the meaning of his life, the meaning of his death, and also the post-death and how life has progressed since that time. And it brings it all home because now we see that against the backdrop of the first three 
sections of the Urantia papers, we have this wonder, wonderful illustration of, of the highest order of our universe coming down and living, as it were, as a human, learning all of our anxieties, our fears, our joys, our happiness, but also coming to the recognition of his own divinity. And it was a required event. It was required for him to take that step as a son of the, of the living father. And that he chose our world gives our world much more significance because he would have had 10 million worlds to choose from. Now, that may sound crazy. It may all sound like, wow, what great fiction. Might sound like Star Wars. Might sound like who knows. But you know what? It's consistent. It's logical. And it presents a logical approach to understanding creation. Now, if someone out there can come up with a better explanation, I'm all ears. But for me, at least, it was important enough and it didn't require me intellectual integrity. I didn't have to give up my intellectual integrity. So we'll leave it there. Everybody has their story. But I think it's important, not so much for me to tell you why I believe in the Arantia book, but why a logical approach to religion, or at least the concept of religion, is very laid out very well laid out in the Arantia book. And that's why that book is so important. And that's why we do these podcasts. Frankly, it's the most important book and probably the most interesting book in the world today. If it truly is the touchstone and it truly is authentic, credible, boy, this is, this is it. This is the headline. By the way, all of the podcasts that we're doing for the entirety of 2021 is a fundraising effort for freeschools.org. And it's an organization being run um, through the efforts of several Urantia book readers who many, many years ago decided to take this on where they felt the need to teach young children, specifically girls, in rural areas of northern India, throughout India. We'll get all, all the details from Jerry Johnson here. Uh, in, in a coming podcast, because we're going to have her on as a guest. And so every time you share this podcast or every time someone listens to a Urantia radio podcast, it's about worth 0.15 cents. And we're up to about $100 right now. I'm just being bold with you. But that's partly because, listen, we're talking about something that isn't part of the mainstream. But we've had uh, 30,000 downloads, and the podcast continues to grow. I'm just so astonished. I'm just unbelievably blown away by the support. But at the same time, I'm not surprised. Um, so every time you click, a little bit of money goes into this little can, and that can is going to be handed to Jerry Johnson at the end of the year. And I might throw in a few extra bucks, too. Um, but... We do it because we want to support our Urantia book friends, right? And they're doing something that's unbelievable. Um, and then the final note is check up on the fellowship because they're doing a lot of interesting things right now. And I want to share some of it with you uh, before we go. And I hope I can. So let me 
Yeah, yeah, there it is. I found it. So go to urantiabook.org. The fellowship has a lot of good uh, stuff going on in the spring as we all come out of our houses, some for the first time in months as we try to battle through this pandemic. And again, I thank you for joining me on the Urantia Radio podcast. Check us out on our website, urantiaradio.net. And that has all of our podcasts, articles, and links to other websites about your ranch book and the ranch book teachings. Again, thank you and have a great day. And we'll see you soon here on the Arantia Radio Podcast. Mm-hmm.